This episode of Hundy Camp Down Under is brought to you by Ridgeline. Ridgeline have just released their new performance range, featuring brand new styles and high performance fabrics for winter 2020. One of the highlights is the new Ascent Jacket for men and women. The new Ascent Soft Shell Jacket is designed for use as a performance layering piece and has been rigorously tested in the South Island of New Zealand. The new Ridgeline performance range features a new Realtree Escape camouflage print. It fits into the environment you hunt in and the colours appear to adapt to the terrain. All the new gear is available in Australia and New Zealand and for your local stockist, check out the website www.ridgelineclothing.com.au This episode is proudly brought to you by Zeiss Optics. The legendary Zeiss binoculars are founded on exceptional optical performance, outstanding ergonomics and robust construction. Zeiss innovations have constantly expanded the limits of what's technically possible. Generations of hunters and shooters swear by their Zeiss binoculars, being heirloom quality products that are passed down from generation to generation, together with the stories that came with them. Experience the Zeiss Victory SF, the most versatile premium binoculars in the company's 165-year history. Find your local stockist at www.osaaustralia.com.au. With the crazy world we live in today, many of us seek the adventure of the unknown. Join us everyday Aussies from all walks of life share stories from men and women of all hunting camps. From tips and techniques to the emotional rollercoaster ride of fulfilling a lifelong dream, there is a story to be told by all. Welcome to Hunting Camp Down Under. Well, good evening, everyone. Um, we've just come out of COVID and we're actually able to, in our regional areas, get out and um, have a bit of a look around and legally be able to go and visit everyone. And this is going to be a podcast um, about hound hunting in Victoria uh, and the generations that I have sitting in front of me. Um, it's going to be a pretty cool chat, I think. So welcome to Hunting Camp Down Under. Um, I'm hosting it tonight, Rob Herbert. Haven't been able to be able to get on the mic for a little while um, due to, as we said, all those COVID restrictions, but it's uh, good to get back in the seat, as they say. So with me I have the Strecker family, um, live in the regional East Gippsland um, and have been hound hunting for quite a long time. And I'll get um, the dad, Rob, to say good day, Rob. Yeah, good day, everybody. It's Rob Strecker here. And we've got Chris. Yeah, Rob. Good day, Rob. And Mick. Oh. Good day, everybody. How are you? Yep. Cool. So um, I guess to lead in, hound hunting in Australia is something that, um, in some states, is really uh, well known. In other states, it's not. Some people hunt um, pigs with dogs in Queensland and hound hunting is a little bit different. There's laws and legislation in Victoria in relation to um, hunting deer and that's what the hound hunters do do, a hunt samba deer um, with their hounds and the types of breeds they can have, the amount of uh, hunters they can have on a hunt and all of those sort of things. So I hope tonight we get to elicit a bit of that information out of the Streckers who have been doing it for a long time. Rob, how long do you reckon you've been um, hound hunting for? I started back in um, in '88. Yep. We, we um, in '88 we uh, we lost the hounds and we got them back, 
and then um, I started um, hunting. Um, it was late in 88, 89. Um, I was employed at a local TAFE and we were doing a renovation and the carpet layer there was, um, he used to hunt with um, um, one of the old ADA stalwarts, Ken Slee. Yep. And um, he asked me if I wanted to come along and I thought, oh, well, I'll give it a go and sort of developed from there. I used to go every second weekend and then I dragged one of the boys along with us and it just eventuated from there and um, yeah. And we're who we are today. That's it. So the boys are no longer boys. They're um, yeah, they're growing up. Certainly a drinking age. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> certainly that. Certainly that. Yep. Yes. Um, so when you're talking about when we lost the hounds, are talking about um, hounds were it was illegal to hunt with hounds. Um, they the government banned them for a very short time. ADA did a lot of work back then. Yep. And got that overturned. So we were lucky enough to get that overturned. Um, and then. Since then, we've uh, they, then they took we lost the semi-automatics. Yep. And we had another ban in two thousand and four, which saw us lose um, the hounds again. Yep. And they replaced them with um, beagles and bloodhounds. Yep. Um, with no grandfather clause on the. It was a, sorry, I'll re- I'll rephrase that. They they replaced them with a height, and it's supposed to be beagles and bloodhounds only at a, at a height and. Um, those dogs that didn't make the height, um, that was that was their life story. There's no grandfather clauses for them. Yep. Um, but on the when they changed again at the last wildlife regulation sunset clauses, they then brought in harriers. Yep. And they gave us then th- options of three hounds to use: beagles, uh, harriers, and bloodhounds. And they all got height limits with them. Um, so we're so talking about height limits. That's from the paws to the Shoulders. To the to the to the to the top of the shoulder there. Yeah, yep. Yep, 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 yep. When they stand flat down on the ground. Um so yeah. So that's been set in legislation in relation to those breeds, I guess, so that it keeps the breed um true to what um the standard the is. The standards are, yes. So yep. there's no bringing a great dane in and crossing that over no. a, a um different type of no. yep. So um prior to the um, three breeds you just mentioned. Um, was it foxhounds that was? Um, yeah, we used foxhounds. Yep. Um, what was classed as foxhounds, but the foxhounds were then usually bred. Um, they were bred with with bloodhounds for the nose. Yep. And then they were they went back to the foxhound for the stamina. Yep. And then out of that, they um they that you had some interbreeding a little bit to get back into what we tried to start up and call a samba hound. Yep. Um, but that didn't eventuate. Um, we could, we, you know, hindsight's always good. Yeah, we should have registered that hound back in the back in the early nineties. Yep. Um, and we would, we that's what we would be hunting with today. It's virtually back to what we've got. Yep, where we are now. So, what yeah. do you um, do? You have a dog, a spe- uh, breed that you hunt with the most at the moment? Are you a yeah, all, all the ours that we've got at the moment are Harriers. Yep. Um, we had beagles and we've had bloodhounds, and then when they brought in the harriers, we changed over to harriers. Yep, and um, be- because, ah, uh, look, just a, a better all-round dog. Um, yep. The bloodhounds were were good, um, but they were heavy. They ate a lot. <laughs> and they kept it kept the food up to them. They, you know, they were good. The temperament was really good. Yep, um, and uh, the little beagles, they they did a mighty job too. Yeah, you know. So, but um, but the. Um, the all-round dog is that Harrier-type breed 
yep. know, true to type area. Yep. Go all day. Yeah, just go all day and just yep. yeah, and just do it and bail it and yeah. Awesome. So when we're talking about these two young fellas sitting on the other side of the table here being your sons, um, yep. when did they start? When they were Oh, I think um, they started hunting as soon as they was as soon as they were old enough to have a, a junior licence. Yep. Um, they all got a uh, junior permit and a firearm, and um, yeah, and they tagged along. So we go Mick and then Chris in age. No, Chris and then Mick. Oh, I when I was 10. there yeah. we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we used to walk in with our guns beforehand, do our, you know, leave dogs in. Back in the day, you'd, you'd walk kilometres before you find a deer. So mm. sort of, you know, lead dogs, three, four k's. I've got a deer up here. Let's just start that and away to go. Then that was a couple of years before we had guns and. So we knew the country pretty well, but, you know, by the time we got guns and, yeah, followed people around and that, so it was good. So I guess the um, the initiation into the bush for you guys wasn't such a, a steep learning curve because you'd already been out playing around and learning those mm. bush skills and being a good bush bushman, if I could yeah. say that. in yeah. yeah, so what happened is that back in the early days, um, it was very much a family affair. Uh, Bev, my wife, um, uh, Michael, Chris, and my daughter Kelly. Yep. They all used to come along on hound hunts. Yep. Um, and um, and and we'd go and you know, um, we didn't shoot a lot of deer. If we shot a deer on a day, that was a big thing for us back in back in the early days. You know, we thought we were on top of the moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but even, um, even just to find a deer. Even to find <laughs> a deer, you know, I'd hate to count how many times you'd come home and you say, oh well, yep, we we, we chased a deer today, but that was it. Yeah. Yep. Did did the dogs get Disappointed, you think, or no? Look, it's it was different back then. You sort of looked at an area, yeah. You, you sort of set an area up, and you think, okay, on previous hunts, the deer's run that way, that way, and that way. Might be three or four crossing points. Yep. So you you would then ask um, hunters to go and walk in, and we had when I first started. We had the big twenty-seven meg radios. <laughs> now each of them would carry twelve AA batteries, and have to have another twelve in the backpack for halfway through the day. <laughs> And if you're lucky enough, you could hear someone or you, or you, or you would hear the Taiwanese fishing boats chattering all day. Um, <laughs> That's when you get to get it, pull the air away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, we did that and then... Um, but we still had fun in the bush. Yeah. We do it ourselves, you know. We, like we're, our family's always been camping, fishing, always been in that bush yep. lifestyle. And, um, and we, we just developed onto, onto, onto deer and hunting. And that was a natural progression, I guess, when your family's already out there doing it as a family and enjoying mm. those times. And Bev, your wife, is well known in uh, the East Gippsland area for her hospitality and cooking and looking after anyone that's yep. that's turned up, whether it's from um, one of the um, hog deer education weekends to um, actually putting deer in the in the cool room that you guys have got up here if they needed to. So. Um, We've, I guess we've broken the ice a little bit and um, got a little bit of um, chat down. Um, to d go back to hound hunting itself, what is hound hunting? What 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 do you do? Like, what do the hounds do? What do you guys do? Like, a pig, everyone knows that a, what a pig dog does. It smells the pig, jumps off, goes and grabs the pig, and then the fella comes over and dispatches the pig. When you're hound hunting, what what are you looking for? What do, what do the dogs do? How do they work? It's a bit, I suppose it's a bit like, you know, you get people who play football over winter, you know, they pull their socks and boots on every Saturday morning. We do the same, you know, you've got to get up, you know, you, you keep your dogs 12 months of the year to, to get them, and they hunt six months of the year, that's what the season is. 
So you've got to give them 150% for six months. You know, that's what you've got to do. So you've got to put everything into them and, yeah, find the best start and do what you can for them. And, you know, they're not, you can put, let them off, but they're not folio, but you've still got to get in the bush and find the deer. Yeah. yeah. So when you say find the best start, what's a start for amongst you guys? Oh, well, you, you try and look around for a, a good size stag mark, like they're a bit more rounder than a, than a doe mark. You know, you go into certain spots, you find rut stands and wallows where they, you know, preach and do that bit at the right time of the year. Um, yeah, so that's what you try and look for at start. Or you, you're sort of tracking down the road, you might see some rubs and you see a heap of rubs. Something might be here and you do a bit more investigating, looking around and you might you might find a fresher set of marks that, that's going to be good enough for start. So then you sort of set that up and, yeah, have a go at that one. Well, most goals, like for people really in sand, but like on the sand is to actually... Shoot a stag, yeah, like everybody wants to shoot big stags. So if you chase the biggest mark you can find, chances are you might shoot a big stag. Yep. With the hounds, it's luck of the draw. You know, you don't always get the big stags. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've heard different stories of stags running, dogs back over the top of hinds, and then the, the hunt changes from the stag onto the hind and the stag's smart enough to drop the dogs off, so to speak, at the back door and keep going. Well, I've seen a doe... <clears throat> Two weeks ago, jumped straight over a carcass of one we shot a week prior to that. <laughs> you know, like they're not, they're not dumb. Yeah. yeah. We had the same back in the Foxhound days. Um, stag went across a, a sneak track, like right a couple of crackers at it, missed it. Dogs kept going up the creek, pulled up our 400 metres up there, and we thought, oh, you got it, beauty, beauty, you know. Go up there, no, no, they were on another carcass. The stag, you could see the run marks straight over the top of the other carcass, and all the dogs stopped on the carcass, and he kept going. <laughs> So, you know, it happens. They're not stupid. So when you're um, going bush, everyone sees uh, hound trucks going bush. What's in a hound truck? What's, like, you've got the box on the back and whatever else. What's your, what's your typical sort of loadout for a, for a hound bus? Yep. Swag. <laughs> Important. Esky. Yep. Esky with yep. gear. Yep. Um, all your hunting gear, radios. Now we're allowed to have tracking collars. So, yep. you know, I, I personally wouldn't let a dog out unless it had a tracking collar on it. Yep. Because you're saving oh, hours and hours and kilometres of fuel and whatever else you want to do to try and catch your dog. So, um, you know, you've got to have good gear. Yep. Like, you know, you don't want to be get up there and it turns into a snow boozy and you've got nothing to wear. Yeah. You know, good hunting boots. Always buy the best I can buy. Yep. You know, pretty well. That's basically it. All your camping gear. You know, you only, you only pack light. You only have, well, Dad's always good. He's always got the camp box that he always takes. Dad always puts it. Dad always puts a kettle on in the morning, makes me a coffee, so that's always good. When Dad's not there, we don't have coffees. <laughs> yeah, we're always run a lean crew when Dad's not up there. So. And there's a big difference between like kids or no kids. Yeah. Like if you've got kids, you'll take a lot more stuff. No kids, you just go bare barren, just keep going. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. But kids, are like extra spades, beds, yeah. A lot more into it with kids. And with your dogs, what have, what have you um, got in the back in the crates? So Just straw normally in the, in the, in the boxes to keep them warm. Yep. You, know, you don't want to get them up in the morning and they're cold. You know, always put them in at night time. Yep. Just so they're you know, fresh for the next day. Yep. Yeah, well, it depends too. Like if it's not going to rain or block mm. down snow and it's a good night, like mild night, you'll yeah, keep them out. out. And then, but if it's going to be shocking weather... Yeah, no, put them in the box. Nothing worse than getting woken up at 
got to get up out of your swag. So that's in camp you're talking about? Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. So yep. yeah, get back up out of your swag, go put the dogs in the box. Because yeah, so, you've got to look after your dogs. Either. So the dogs are usually tied up on a long chain. Yep. So a long chain could be anything up to 15, 20 metres long. Yep. And it might have 10 points on it. Um, and then you clip your dogs up accordingly. Yep. Or you might have two lots of chains out, too many under a bit of cover or something. And um, that's and the, you know off that you might have a foot leader or two foot leader off each one for, for each dog. Yep. And um, yeah, they clip them up to that. So that's starting to paint a pretty good idea for someone that hasn't been hound hunting before. So you've got your normal, you've got your four wheel drive truck um, with your uh, dogs on the back and all your gear on top of all of that being your swags and your cookbook swags, box. Swags, shovel, axe, chains. Everything that your sons have forgotten. No, well, usually everybody <laughs> takes that because if someone's, if, let's just say you start the hunt and the hunt splits, that means that this, there's, um, you can hunt with five hounds and pups in training and three pups in training. So if for whatever reason one hound goes out left and it goes out and no one actually spots that it's gone out, oh, hang on, where's that dog gone? Yep. Um, then you're, you're on the chase. But if you happen to have to go and with in front of that dog to try to, to stop it, you can't... And there's a tree across the road. You've got to be able to cut it off. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So everybody's yeah, got to be yeah. self-sufficient on yeah. the day. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And not only that, because if your chainsaw breaks down and someone else hasn't got one, well, you're sort of stuck in a hard place. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So you sort of got... We're all sort of... Between the crew, we're all self-sufficient. Everyone knows what they bring. We bring different But we stuff. share everything. Yeah, we share yeah. everything. It's like, a, it's like, as I said, like, it's like a footy team. You've all got your own part, you play, and everyone does their bits and pieces. It's, yeah... So yeah, how many people would be in a crew? Is, is there a, a oh, good maxim, number? Maximum maximum's 10. Yep. Um, maximum's 10. And that's 10 hunters or...? Yeah, 10 hunters and then you can have juniors on top. Yep. Um, in learning, so... Um, so you can do that. There's always a general. That's usually me. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's the right-hand foot pusher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, there's always... Um, um, you know, like... From, from my perspective, I, I look at the hunt and for me, it doesn't worry me who shoots the deer. Yep. It's, it's, it's the dogs that have, that have done the job. When you're hunting for the dogs. Yep. 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 You know. It's and, in the bushes as much as ours, yeah. Yep. yep. So how, how um, I guess I'll paint the picture. We've rolled into camp. We've got all our swags out. We've got all of that stuff sorted. We're going to bed for the night. Um... You have a bit of a chat around the fire about the hunt for the next day. That's sort of yep. a bit of a bit of a where you yeah, want to start and about, yeah. where people have to go and um, off they go and find their cut-off points or guess whatever for the hunt. Then you start your hounds. You get your hounds out of their bed in the morning and find a mark and then put the dogs onto that mark. Yep. Um, so what sort of dog are you looking for to get out of the crate first to get onto a, a mark? Are you looking for a, a real vocal sort of dog or a... Like, is there a... Looking... Well, <clears throat> the main thing with the dog is that um, the dog's able to start a, start a mark. Uh, we've been f fairly lucky that we can nearly pull any dog out of the box. Yep. And it'll start a mark. Um, and a lot of crews are, are the same. And that's just progressed over the years. From so what do you call we that were, when they can start on a... Is that uh, a cold trailing. Cold trailing. Yep. Um, um, we've had dogs that... 
of a particular hunt we had um, we had a really good mark on a wallow and we thought it was a day old it was just massive big mark and yep. we were looking and Michael walked two dogs in and um, I think about two hours later they lifted it <laughs> you know and the, the hunt was on and we ended up we got it, it was about a 27 inch stag or something wasn't it mm, I think so yeah. yeah and that was and that was a really you know that's a cold trailer you know you can you can see that they'll start and, and away they go um, I know that we used to um, we've hunted years ago with the foxhounds we did a bit up at Connors yep and the deer would never sleep they just keep walking so you put your dogs in one block two two <laughs> two miles two two goes later they'd, they'd start the deer yeah yep you know so um it's just that type of dog yeah. so what does a dog just get the nose on the ground and follows where the deer's been is that sort oh, of they they'll, they'll sniff they'll, they'll wind set yep they'll wind set they'll smell the marks and they'll smell the smell the trees and the bushes where the deer's gone through yep and um, usually, sometimes if there's a, if the air's dry, doesn't matter how fresh the mark is, the dog won't won't find it yeah. until it actually puts it up, yep. it puts it out of its bed. Yep. Um, hmm. You know, but I, even the, though this year the burn, like the burn, the burn's bad. The, 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 they're not bedding up; they're moving heaps. Like massive area that's been burnt, and it's just yeah, the deer just don't stop. Like we had one dog, like four and a half, five k's, just cold trail. Over like three, four inches, and just and that deer, that stag was still walking. It didn't stop. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was on a mission. Yeah. And the the um, <clears throat> dogs when they're cold trailing, when they start, do they voice or do they like? How do you know that they're? Is there a change? What yeah, do the they, they start off, and you will hear them when they when they cold trail, and even when you put them in the cold trail a little bit, do, 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 and all of a sudden they'll sort of it's like I suppose going to a footy match and. They kick a goal, the, the crowd goes different, or the dogs yeah. go different. Yeah. Away they go, and they do the same when they bail. Like they just change their voice back to a different voice, and you can pick it. Yeah. So, have you got a dog that you know um, is onto a deer, or if it's just, is there a sound that they, that, that they make? Is they get a bit more? Well, you, you, you take them into the bush, and they'll, no, you walk them in, and all of a sudden you you be watching, and I sort of get a bit keen, give a few whimpers, you go, I'm walking some. And all of a sudden, give it a few minutes later, and they'll sort of work the scent out, and bang, all of a sudden, yep, no, they're starting. And you'll hear and listen, where they go. All of a sudden, yep, no, we're right on now. They yep. kick that thing out of its bed. Yep. And then you just, you'll hear them go. That's what you can see doing. the body body language body on the dogs, too. Dogs. Oh, yeah. The dogs will, like, I've noticed, like, Chris has got a pack he always takes in. I'll take another pack in. Yep. And, like, I, I just take the same dogs in every weekend, and you get used to... You get used to certain dogs. They'll they'll they will change the way they, you know, move. And then you know you can sort of I can get on the radio and go, you know, I reckon I'll get one going in a minute. And like thirty seconds away they go, you yep. know, and they're on. Like, but you know, if I take his dogs, you know, you know that he takes in every weekend, it's sort of like, oh yeah, nah. And then he'll say, oh they're going, you know, and oh they're going to get this one going easy, you know. Or, Vice versa. Well, if you you cut past with some, like you'll say your pack, you'll go past something. You think, oh, I should have shown you what's going on there. So you'll cut back a little bit, and you'll go. It might be only hundred meters different, and you'll get up the gully where the wind's blowing a different direction. It'll be game on. Like just yeah, and wind plays a big difference. Like they'll wind sent two, three, four hundred meters. You know, so you got to still do the same yeah. as your stalk and everything else. You got to use your wind, your, mm. your mind, where they're going to bed. You got to. All those things you've got to yeah. be on to it. There's, there's plenty of times where you think, okay, we're going to hunt this side of the road. Yep. 
and the minute you let the dogs out of the back of the box to go that side, they run straight around <laughs> the other side, and they're gone, and they they know that they're already on the deer, and they're gone. Gone, yep. And then the whole hunt has to shift. Yep. <laughs> the whole hunt's got to shift because we weren't expecting that. And that's when having your general or your captain, I guess, being able to control that and then start to move people and get yep. up there and move around there and those sort yep. of things. Yep. So when you talk about tradition, I guess, and you hunted an area for a long time, um, I've heard through other crews and other um, bush bush users and hunters that um, different places are called the name that they have now because of um, crews have always called it, like, let's just say, um, bald knob. That um, you guys would know your area so well that you wouldn't even need to look at your map because you're hunting it all the time. Um, and you could just say head up to um, yep. wherever it is, and people would know what it is. That's right. Yeah. Well, Look, you get you, you get used to that because like you shoot deer, and a lot of people that hunt with you, they're like you know, oh, just go around where you shot that one, or go over such and such. He shot one over in that saddle, or you know, and you don't even have to say a name or anything. Like blokes go, oh yeah, I know where that one is. I'll go around there, or and, they can and, and that's the. I suppose that's the thing is if you had say five blokes that hunt every weekend with you those five blokes they're just like brothers you know you don't have to tell them where to go they know when that dog starts or that one goes there or i'll go chase that one you go that way or vice versa it's sort of like you know if you get a new bloke in it takes them 12 months to learn all those learn learn years of stuff that me and Chris know. Yeah. You know, yeah. Dad know. Yeah, no, yes. and, and names where you call spots because, yeah. you know, like these days, people have got private channels so they can sort of say what they want on the UHF. We're back in the day, everyone could listen to what you what you said. So you used to have like, oh, you go down to Stickbook Ridge or whatever, you know, because there was a Stickbook fan there. Stuff like that. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, or Shovel Ridge or, you know, there's Yeah. So that, that's what we used to work on, like landmarks and bits of paper. There was no GPS, there was nothing like that. So it was all just visual and just where dogs went the week before or the month before and just bounced off that. Like even now, like Michael will go, oh, go up to that gully up the top there. You know the one that switches around to the left-hand side where they barreled up? Yeah, I know what you mean. Goes, well, get up in there. Yeah, right, okay, right, 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 let's go. Other people just shake their head and go, where's well, that? <laughs> but, you know, know, some of the landmarks aren't there anymore. Yep. But we still call them by, those, by, land, that landmark, yeah. by those landmarks. And people are saying, what do you call it that? Oh, there used to be that there. There used to be this there. Or this is what happened there. Or yep. or something like that. Um, you know, the difference is between <clears throat> between hunting today and hunting back when we first started is that, A, we didn't have GPSs. We didn't have beep beep collars. Um, and everything was done um, just by people, previous people that had hunted there. Okay, you. It, when I first started, there was nearly a, uh, a spot was drawn on the on the on the ground with an X. Yep. You stand on that spot and don't move. <laughs> right, and that's where you stood for the day. Now you you might hear the dogs, you might hear a bit of radio chatter. Some days you hear nothing, and they call you on the radio. Yeah, you can come out now. <laughs> you know that's the way it was. You know, and and we were a little bit more advanced. <clears throat> than other than other hunters, but you know we had, um, like I said, we had the twenty eight meg crystals, and we used to put the crystals in back to front, and we thought that we'd have, we'd have the only channel, but everybody else used to do the same. <laughs> so yeah, then UHF come along, and that and that's really sorted the communication process out. 
Yep. And then um, we, we started to hunt on UHF and we thought, you know, we can hear plain, clear. And then we started to use code names for different things because more and more people got UHFs and away we went. Um, and the next turn in technology was the um, telemetry collars. They go like a beep beep collars. And they would give you an indication of where your dog was at the end of the day. Didn't mean to say you got your dog back. <laughs> yeah, it was directional. Season. So are they the ones that, that you see um, people with tracking wildlife mm -hmm. with a yep. big like yep. TV antenna around? Yep. 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 Well, we had them and... <coughs> and we thought, you know, oh, this is really, at least you knew where your dog was, <laughs> yeah. you know. So. If it was two Ks, you're just going to walk that way and find your dog. <laughs> mm. No, it's on your side, Chris, you go and get him out. <laughs> <laughs> Wandering, waving this thing around, looking around, it's getting close, got squirrels all over. You know, and, and now we've got GPS collars. Yeah, yep. So, and I don't think, since we've had the GPS collars, but we've, we've, we've gone home and we're not done without a dog. And I think that that's something that um, talking to you guys over the years, the things that really um, not so much surprise me, but it, it makes me sort of full of admiration as well that the nights that you've come out of the bush because you've gone to get your dogs, yeah. you know, it makes them a pretty long night when they've yeah, been in. It does. It. Mm. Yeah. What, not that. What, if, if your dog's in a kilometre and you can see and it's whatever, it's in, if it's in a shocking spot, you're all right, we'll wait till tomorrow. We're pretty, pretty lucky we haven't had that position. But if you're only in kilometre, that it's going, just go get the dog, pick the dog up, walk back out and it's done. Don't have to worry about the next day, and you know what I mean? So You know, we've, we've come out on some uh, late in the night, don't worry about that, like we've walked in because the dogs haven't moved and we thought, oh, well, we better go in and we just check them. Yep. And shock them coming out. It's just that thick, you're just bashing yep. your way out to get back out. Yep. Being dark and everything else, mm -hmm. and then, you know, and that's a, that's a good bit with GPS collars these days because you can... You know, back then you wouldn't, back in the day you wouldn't have been walking in there because you'd be going, can't see where you're going. Where with GPS you can sort of see where you've been, walk up a ridge, yep, right, okay, going. Yep. So the hand recovery side with the GPS collars is fantastic. Oh, fantastic, yep. We even, used to for, even for pups and everything, you know what I mean? Like your pups there, you put them in now and, oh, that one's easy behind, go back, grab it, don't leave that one behind. You know what I mean? Like, you got to care about your dogs. That's, that's mm. number one. And that's something that I guess um, I'd really like to cover off and make sure that um, we talk about that, that you guys actually love your dogs. They're not just a dog just to throw in a box and yell at and hit on the bum if it's doing the wrong thing. You've, you've got names for favourite dogs that have gone back to when you first started. I'm guessing you'd have a, a story of a dog that would be the best dog that you remembered when it had a really good hunt or whatever it yeah. is. yeah. Yeah. Have you got any um, sort of memories of oh, any? Look, we had one dog. One of the first, um, one of the first hounds I ever owned um, was a black and tan bitch, and um, um, a B. And uh, oh, she was a shit of a dog when, when we first got it. It was a hunt mad, just just hunt mad, and you just do your head in, so you, you wouldn't worry about it. But then all of a sudden, something must have clicked in the brain, and. You'd walk them in and you'd start the foxhounds off and away you'd go and she'd go off left field and you think, oh, I'll just let her go. You come back in a couple of hours later after you after you, you got the other dogs back and she'd be on a deer. She'd either have a bail or she'd be chasing a deer. And nine times out of ten, you would shoot that deer on that day. Yeah, well. And that's the type of dog. And, you know, and we've had other good dogs, B, Cobb, Paddy. Um, you know, we've had Bess. 
She'd be the best cold trail, I reckon. Yeah, best. best. Lucy, right in, Lucy, yeah. Lucy's good. Yeah. Lucy's best. Lucy's had a nose. Now. Nose, you couldn't couldn't get back. Well, yeah. You'd look at the mark and go, oh, yeah, that's that's old one. Then she start up, and you go, what are you doing, dog? You know, well, that's that's not even fresh. And she, you know, hour later she gets it going. Hour later she's going. You know, by herself. So would she start the hunt and then let the other dogs take over? Is that how? Well, oh, that's fun. Yeah, it's not. See, she, like, the way Dad would say, right? Like, we used to have, oh, I think it was six or seven foxhounds, and it'd be funny. You'd walk them in and you'd have B, and there was another one called Mac, you know? And the main, like, the faster dogs, you'd, away they go. And these two are just, like, either side, and away they go by themselves. Like, every weekend, they'd do it. Without or fail. They start, they start the D, and then yeah. all of a sudden the rest of the dogs go, let's go. Away they go. The other dogs go past me, go, let's go pull me over one now. That'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got three hunts going. Yeah. <laughs> so you, even today, you'll see that on your GPS when you're looking at a dog, and the dogs will be running, be, be trailing your deer down a spur or something. All of a sudden, one dog will pull up, and the other dogs will keep going, and he'll start doing circles. And then all of a sudden, he's out of there. So when he's gone down that spur, he's obviously centred another deer and he started another deer. Yeah, right. Right, so, <laughs> and that happens. And without the GPS, you would have never have known that. Yep. And that's what, you know, what, what probably happened. It's been happening all, all along, but because you now you can actually see where the dog is and what it's doing. You can yeah. figure it out. And you figure it yeah, out a bit more, yeah. Have you ever had your dogs hurt by a deer? Um, yep. Been tailed up. Yeah, we, we, we chased it. We chased a good stag two weeks in a row, and I said, to "Old mate, just stand on the game tray, lit a fire." And these dogs went up the thing, lost them all, never seen them for the day. Come back about four o'clock in the arvo, still waiting on one dog. He come out like a pincushion. He was bleeding, and they just touched mm. him up real good. Yep. But yeah, they do. They do get hurt. I've seen them. I've seen them in bail ups where they just kick them. Like had another dog, him. that dog yeah. Bess. Yeah, that dog she, got Bess, she got kicked. Yep. The deer had been shot and was dead. And, yeah. the, and the hunter was there with it. And the nerves and, and kicked her and cracked all the skull open. So for for people who don't know what a Sangamba deer is, because um, there's people that are overseas listening to this, um, could you hazard a guess at how heavy a deer would be? Oh, look, that'd probably be 600 pounds, 300 kilo on a mature stag. Yep. Um, it'd be like a, like a bullock. Mm. Or maybe like a like a like a yearling horse. Yeah, they all vary. Like, yeah, they you, all you vary. Know, it depends on with the pre rut, after rut, or whatever. You know, they sort of. And then you get some does that are big, massive things that we've shot this year, and you think, well, yeah, that's a horse sort of thing. Like the other week, back. Mm, do you think it was like a stag? So a doe, fifteen minutes later, and here's his doe laying next to the stag, and it's as big as a stag, mm. like just massive. You go, oh. So yeah. for like like Rob was saying. Um, so, six hundred pound because there's if people in America trying to look at their deer compared to a samba deer, or people that are in um, northern Australia that might only have chittle, yep. you know, at least it gives them a bit of an idea of the frame and density of those. Oh, I reckon be every bit of it. Yeah, every yeah. bit of it. And the the density of the sambas. A red deer or a red wop, but the. Their structure is different. Yep. They're a lot heavier in the... They're compact. Heavier, they're compact. They're a lot heavier in the build of a, than a red deer. Red deer is very, fairly fine and, and lanky. Yep. Whereas the sand is more rounded, got more muscle, got more yep. more, more stamina to go. Yep. 
guess like comparing a bull terrier to a Jack Russell. Yeah. Yep. Same yeah. height, but a lot of difference. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, then that I think that um, as as a hunter myself, there's something about Samba that they're just a special animal to see in the bush, you know, um, and they're also a special animal to eat, but um, <laughs> that's right, Mick's, Mick's getting calls from his clients. <laughs> Not um, just <laughs> When you guys um, harvest a deer, what do you do with it? Do you use it for the dogs or... Um, sort of shoot something five k's in and expect to cart it all out like you've got limited blokes you've got to get the dogs out and do everything so we, we, we try and get everything we can out so you got to use it yeah we shoot it you got to use it and do you have a cut up night or do you have a like if you've well, how many how many deer might you shoot on a weekend if you had a full crew three or four yeah. three or four some days you might have good days and you got some days you got bad days yep you know you just look at the weekend gone you know we got we got blown out with snow. Yeah, we're yeah. lucky enough to harvest one, one, one samba spiky. Yep. Um, and um, we had the pups on that one, so we were happy with that. And yep. then the snow just came in and just blew us away for the day. It was a terrible weekend. Yeah. And out of nowhere. But you know, you you might shoot three, four deer a day. Yep. Some days, you know, one or two more. And, and your hunt normally will be Friday night through to Sunday, sort of lunch, sort of thing. Is that the? Yeah, we head we head up Friday when Yep. So early in the year we were sort of leaving early in the morning, getting home that night. And, but um, since we've been camping here, we head up Friday night and hunt Saturday. Unless we lose dogs, we'll come back Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Unless there's, you know, if there's, if there's blokes still in the bush on dark. Yep. I mean, if they're still an hour from getting out, well then you might say, well, no. Yeah. yeah. We will just stay. We, you know, we we sort of everybody waits till the last person's out of the bush. Yep. And then we go back to camp. And then judge everyone's fatigue levels, I guess, yeah, from there to, yeah. to come home and how That's far right. people yeah. have got. Yeah. So <clears throat> if someone wanted to get into hound hunting, what do you reckon the best place to be or to go to find information on it or to find a crew? Is it, how, do you, how, do you, how do you do that? Do you have to know someone within the crew? Uh, or? Look, probably the best thing to do is, um, look, there's that much out there in social media. Yep. There's that many magazines around. Um, join a hunting club. Yep. I can't stress that enough. Yep. Um, because without the Victorian Hound Hunters, without um, Australian Deer Association, and there's another few field and game, it doesn't matter what hunting club you belong to, if you're a member of a club, you go to the meetings, you meet like-minded people. Yep, totally. Right? And that's where you can normally start. Um, hound, hunting over hounds, it's, it's not a sport, it's not a recreation, it's a lifestyle. Yep. For us, it's a lifestyle. It doesn't stop. It doesn't start Friday night and it doesn't stop Saturday night. Yep. It starts 1st of Jan one year, finishes 31st of December that year and starts again on the 1st. Yeah, yep. Because you've got dogs. You've got to look after them. You've got to, you've got to maintain them. You've got to, you know, you go up the bush, you, you've got to look after them, you know. Um, you've got vet bills. You've got, you've got to worm them. You've got to, you know, make sure that, they, that, they're, that they're right. They've got enough feed. Well, they're, they're in the right condition. Mm. Yep. Yep. Clean clean. the pens, water. water clean, Yep. dog food, you know. Yep. 
Same as any animal, like you, you got to feed them. <coughs> you them. And that's the bit, you know, you you'll go to a new system or you go somewhere and you you look at this big massive galley system and you look down at your dogs and go, you know what, we've never been here. We'll just let's give it a crack. We're not sure what we're going into, but we're going to have a crack at it. Let's go. Mm. And <laughs> says Mick, <laughs> I've done a few times. And, that's it, and, that's, and you go in, mm. and you know you're more than willing to take the dogs in. And with it, though, the dogs are more than willing to go with you. So you've got to be there when they're there and do the whole lot, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it goes hand in hand. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Ambitions and abilities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just the, the, the humans or the dogs as well? Oh, <laughs> it's both. Yeah. yeah it's I know, both. We know the dogs will go. Just, yeah. <laughs> it's yep. just getting back out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of times there you might see a dog and... It'll be a K in or a K and a half in. It'll be two o'clock in the afternoon. Someone will say, yep. They don't even know. You know they just say, yep, I'm heading in to grab that dog. Yep. I'm out for a bit. I'm just going to go straight in and grab that dog. Yep. Or you go, oh, yeah, it's two o'clock in the Arvo and it's 10 Ks in. Oh, yeah, we're going in. <laughs> and it's not that good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not as much fun as Oh, it, it's yeah. not when you got to come out at like one, you know, nearly 12 at night. <laughs> yeah. So. so when you're going to get dogs, what do you take with you? Oh. Torch. Yep. Torch, lead, water. backpack, water. 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 Yep. If you get, if if you remember. And batteries. Yeah. Sometimes people forget stuff, you know, like it's easy to get caught up in the moment. Leave the car, you've got to go in there and get stuff, you know. Away you go. In you go, and all of a sudden they go, you got leads, you got this. Oh, shit, I left them in the car. Okay, right, I'll meet you halfway. I'll try and call out, you know, and you try and... Oh, you, for people that bust their guts going and get some dogs out for you... You do what you can to help them. You know what I mean? You walk in. Yeah. But that's one of those things you say, like, you know, what do you take? Backpack's got me knives. Yep. Extra dog leads. Got bullets in it. It's got me head torch with spare batteries. It's got enough to get me out, or otherwise, you know, you light a fire and wait and come out in the morning. Yep. Simple, you know. But you got enough to get through the night if you didn't make it out, and you got enough to get out. Yep. Yeah. And come back onto yourself. Yeah, that's it. So <clears throat> when we talk about, I guess, um, the generations, once again, um, your kids, Chris, are out there um, quite regularly. Yeah. Give us a fill-in for you two about what's, what's the next sort of uh, generation for you guys. Well, I suppose, you know, the other week the highlight was I got my daughter and we were sitting there and I said to her, I said, oh, we'll get to this bail up. And we got in there and it was just... It was too hard. Like it was, it dogs are all around it, and and you know they've been like I, my girls this year. I got three girls, and last year was the first year that I could not really get away without them. It was either one or take them all, you know. And they've just sort of really got keen to come. So you know, I deck them out, got all their swags, all their gear, and that. And you know, it's just showing now. I'm getting them into bail ups. They're seeing the deer live, seeing what dogs do. You know, they're, they're tracking the roads with me now and they're going, oh, Dad, I've got a mark. You know, you look at them, oh, that's a little bit old. And you tell them why it's old. You're not just say, oh, that's old and keep driving. Say, oh, well, that's old because, you know, the grass has stood back up or the frost is not broken. It's got snow on it or, you know, it's got raindrops in the mark, you know. And then you go and find a fresh one and show them that and they go, oh, yeah, now I know what I'm looking for. You know, it's little the little things, you, you know, as long as you keep telling them, you know, then they take on what you've got going. Yeah, that's that, that's a really special thing, I think, to be able to pass it on to the kids yeah. and get them yeah. hunting as well. Yeah. And no, the kids, like, they, 
they get the dogs out of the box. So which dog can we? Because you get some dogs out of the box, they just want to pull you to the chain, you know. Like, oh, hey, no, don't grab that one. Grab this one here, and they'll lead it out and put it on the chain, and yeah, they'll clean the pens out. You know, they, they, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of you know not just seeing the the glory side of you know what everyone thinks about hound like go shoot these deer do this. There's the other side. There's always the cleaning and the and the and the looking after the dogs. The after hours care, I suppose you could say. Yep. Yeah. And going back to what Rob said originally, taking you guys out was as part of that family unit, you know, mm. and building that as a family unit as it is for you guys now taking your kids out hunting and building that family unit out in the bush yeah. and the, the same tradition yeah. occurs. I guess the, the thing that um, as a non-hound hunter myself, um, I really, uh, I guess, got exposed to a number of different types of people that went hound hunting and for me there's to me there's a lot of um, depth and history in hound hunting in Victoria and it's really good to see that that tradition sort of stay strong and that people come to a crew and stay with a crew and like you're talking about before Rob at the very beginning when you had to work hard because there wasn't GPS there wasn't it wasn't easy it wasn't easy to pick up a deer and it helped bring that crew together I also see the other side of it that um, social media has kind of been a bit of a detractor because it's too easy to, um, and maybe these fires will sort people out as well because the deer are harder to find at the moment, um, that social media is sort of bringing the wrong light on hunting um, in different areas and that people think that they can just go out and, and buy some dogs and they don't even understand, like Rob was talking about the three dogs and the... Uh, breeds and the legislation that's there and that you see people openly selling blue tick dogs people hunting with all sorts of different dogs in their cage and that sort of thing I think um, without getting too political about it that um, for me seeing the um, tradition in hound hunting is to me a, a fantastic thing you know and there's guys I guess that are in your crew that have been always hunting with you um, that you would trust and help each other with yeah look it's Hound, the crews for hound hunting, we're a breed of our own, um, and the atom always splits. Yep. Okay, the atom always splits, and as soon as, you know, someone doesn't get on with someone, and this happens or that happens, and they'll go with someone else, or they'll go and start their own dogs up, and, you know, um, and, and that happens. Um, and we try to keep a uniform... We tried to make sure that the, um, the hunters that hunt with us yep. uh, are dedicated to our way of hunting. Yep. Um, you know, we you know we 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 put some rules down. We sort of say that you know if we take you to an area, it's it's not your given right to go back to that area by yourself or take other people back to that area. Um, you know, um, if you see a, a stag in the headlights on the Friday night driving up, you don't shoot it. Yep. Yep. Right? Um, I'd rather go back on the Saturday morning and, and hunt it. Yeah, yep, totally. You know what I mean? Um, I've seen 30-inch stags I could have shot. Um, no. Let's let's set it up, boys, and let's and let's have a hunt. Well, and that was that 32 yeah. into that Michael shot. Yeah. That was like that. Yeah. You and know? even still, like, there was that one years and years ago. Remember that one you seen the week before? You seen the good ones? Mm. Oh, we'll let it go. Hunt it next week. We'll shot enough today. Went back the following week. Started to end up shooting that one. Yeah. Just you know, but but things have changed since then. Like, there's that many crews around now, and you just you 
Aries don't get a rest anymore. Nah. Yeah. It's people hunting midweek, hunting all the time. Like we, there was nine crews around us on the weekend. Wow. How, do you find that difficult and crossovers and people dropping in on your hunt? And no, you, you get used to it. You get used to it. Most blokes get on. Yeah. Everybody's doing the same thing. So, you know, like I seen a bloke on the weekend. I said, oh, you're here. We'll go, we'll go somewhere else, you yep. know. And he goes, oh, we're about ready to leave anyway. I'm sick of the snow as well. But, you know, like as long as you get on, at the end of the day, all you want to do is get your dogs back at the end of the day. Yeah. If they shoot the deer off your dogs... Yeah, get the dog. You keep yeah. the deer, mate. We'll we'll get another one. Yeah, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's great to hear that. You know. Yeah. I think the everyone hears the wrong things about hound hunters and you know that sort of thing. And I think that hearing all of that stuff to me is a really positive thing. If I it, just to say that um, you guys had your um, camp set up and because uh, there's that traditionally that hunt you're a hound hunter and I'm a stalker sort of thing um, and a stalker. Someone that a stalker is someone that doesn't hunt with hounds; they hunt on their own, um, pretty much. If they were lost or turned up to your camp, would you know? Would they be? No, they felt welcome. Look, we, look, we've had stalkers drive past camp and sort of gone out, waved them out, said, "Hello, mate, what's going on?" So we're looking at hunting. He goes, "Oh, down in here." I said, "Well, we're going to hunt down here tomorrow. It's up yourself. By all means, go for it." But we're going to be. That's where we. That's what we can do. We're going to hunt into that area. Oh yeah. No problems at all, and they, they went elsewhere. Like they could have hunted there, like no dramas whatsoever. Yep. It's their the bush is everyone's, mm. you know. So yeah, just but you got to give them the heads up too. It's no point them going in stalking away, and all of a sudden dogs coming over the top. And, oh, bloody hound hunters! Do you know what I mean? Like, totally, it's yeah, about, so it's yeah, about you communication. Be, you be fair and reasonable. Don't get me wrong. We've already started the hunt in some areas, and just, and the stalkers will turn up. Oh, you wrecked my day. <laughs> Hello, where are you first? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, I think, yeah, right. So we, we always say to them, if you see the deer, shoot the deer, John. If you want to shoot it, shoot it. That's what I was going to say. What's, the, what's uh, the polite thing to do? So I'm a stalker and I'll come across a, a bale up and there's a there's um, a big stag or just a deer yeah, there deer being deer. bailed up. What do I do? Do I shoot the deer for you or do I... Um, But these days with tracking collars, it probably won't be someone too, too far, far away, away that yep. know what's going on. Yep. If they hear a shot, the, they'll the know that. Oh, hang on. Crew hand someone in there. Yep. You know what I mean? So everyone treads with caution these days anyway. Yep. And yeah, go in there. Like, hello, mate, what's going on? You know, yeah. So. And similarly, if I found a, a hound on its own, um, what do I do with a hound that I find? Put a tag on it with a name and a number. Yep. Ring it up, and away you go. Yep, so it'll have a phone number on the. Yeah, yeah, phone number. service Spots these days, so. And are hounds vicious? Are they? No. No, the ones we got, no. no. Ours, ours are all no. pretty good. We we do um, we help some farmers out, and our and all our hounds are stock friendly. Which is what I it's great that you brought that up, Rob, because I wanted to move on to that. In as far as I think that um, hound hunting is really, and I'm a, a bow hunter stalker, but the advantages of having a hound crew. They're probably the only real vacuum that you can employ for Samba that are a problem around farms, uh, as in as far as taking numbers. It's not. It's not the um, the silver bullet. Yep. But it is part of the silver bullet. Yep. 
All right, so you've got to have more than just hounds to do it. There's got to be, you know, if a farmer's got issues with it, um, there's plenty of colours that'll go around now with uh, thermal imaging. Um, uh, there was a lot done when the um, when the farmers were getting paid by the kilo from the yep for the for the sandbit here and things. They got onto a lot of properties. Yep, they shot a lot of deer. Um, uh, it didn't affect the relationship between hound hunters and the, and the private land. They just worked hand in hand. Yep. But the deer are smart. Oh, they, they get used to... They know. They hear, oh, tra no. they hear a tray side rattle, they're, they, gone. they're gone. Yes. You know? yeah. And they're even right. farmers say that, like, you know, they hear a tray side, they, don't, they can't get them. No. You know, they know they're there. Yep. You know, they just go in and throw some dogs around and get what you yeah, can for them yeah. each weekend with, and, and then they're happy, you know? I'm more than happy to flog my ass through thick shit as much as I hate it, but that's where the deer are. Like you just got to flog your ass out, just yeah. trying to get in there where you can't stalk, you can't yeah. spotlight, you can't do anything yeah. for, for a private property's point of view. You've got to, you know, yeah. Hounds are non-selective. Yep. Yeah. Right. So it doesn't matter how big the stag is that you might have seen. They'll hunt a doe just as much, or, or a yearling, or a spiky. They'll hunt that just as much as what they do a big stag. Yep. So I guess um, the other thing too, stags are bucks um, in in the other part of the deer world. They're the male deer that's got antlers, and the um, hinds are does, and does are hinds. For people that are listening that don't actually um, know that difference between them, not a big thing, just the boys and girls. So. Um, I have been fortunate enough at um, one of the local Australian Deer Association meetings to get my fangs into some of uh, the snags that you guys make. Um, <laughs> I don't know how many times I've been to a hunting meeting and, and um, you guys, because I guess you've, you've got the meat, but you've also got the capability and the skills, have, have been able to feed either the whole meeting or introduce people to venison. Um, what's your favourite cut, Rob? What do you like the best out of... Uh, look... Um you know, like a yearling's probably the best. Yep. Um, that's what, you know, if I shoot a yearling, I'll, I'll make sure I look after the meat and I'll take it home and I'll cut that up and that'll uh, be our meat. Um, I fill its back straps or the back legs. Yep. Um, in the camp ovens, the front legs. Yep. Stop uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. Camp oven front legs. Yeah. Go good. Yeah. They go good. Yeah. Well, Chris, I, I don't know that you've uh, tried uh, to make a ham. Fluffing yeah. around a little bit with that. It's got me quite excited about it. Bit of COVID-19 uh, sit at home with the weather. So, yeah, got some, had some back leaves and I did some ham up. You know, cured it, brined it, and then smoked it for oh, the first one. was oh, about a 12-hour cook. Yeah, it took a bit longer than I thought. But the other one, the other back leg, I hung for overnight, which obviously drained a bit of moisture out and cooked a lot quicker. Yep. But, yeah, no, it's come up a treat. Yeah, no, it's, Looks absolutely yeah, fantastic. Fine. Yeah, no, it's been good. Yeah, I'll be doing it again, that's for sure. Mick, what would you eat the most? What would you like? Uh, I don't know, we get everything done really, from hot dogs through to yep. Kranskis. I like Straz. Straz is good. It's good. Yeah, yep. Straz probably. <laughs> Kids love the Straz. <laughs> they don't like, the log doesn't last long. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. You know where the meat but, comes from, you know what I mean? That's it. You know the process with it all. Like yeah, oh, Snitty, Vanny Snitties are good, you know. Yep. They come right, make my own palms out of them. Yep, that's a good way to do it. Good. Yeah, kids love them. I think um, having that 
ability to. I was saying it the other night um, when I did a little bit of a, a thing on my, my business page, I was talking about how hunting involves more than just the hunter when you actually get to share the food. So the example that I was using, and it's it's actually going back to when I first had venison sausages from you guys, was what inspired me, believe it or not, to make venison sausages because they were the best damn sausages I'd ever eaten. And I think I filled up like <laughs> nobody's business on them that night. But um, if I if I decide that I'm going to make lasagna, and it's just mince because I don't know how to handle um, the meat, but I've got a mincer, at least you can make mince, right? So you guys, if, if we were using this as a social setting and you've come over and you're not a venison eater and I put the, the venison on the table and you guys get to eat it, it's actually introducing you guys to hunting in a different angle and how that's come to it more so than you actually having to be out in the bush. And I think that that sharing that you get in that that uh, family and crew environment is a really important thing. You know? and, and that's it. You, see, you, like, you can see your, your, your deer down in the bush and then you see it turn into something else on the table. It's two different things, you know. Like you've got to enjoy cooking and, and enjoy what you want out of it to pass it on to somebody that just doesn't want to see the other side to it. You know, yep. like you get a lot of people buy chops in a the supermarket. They're not going to want to see the other side. They just want to buy chops. Yep. So you've got to, you know, do that process and enjoy that side and pass it on. A lot of people betray them as Bambi. Yeah. Yeah. And they won't eat it. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. And I've cooked it for people and they're like, oh, yeah, that's a nice sausage. And the next minute, you just don't tell them. It's just easier sometimes. And then you tell people and go, oh, well, I like them. They're nice, you know. Or you might marinate something and they go, oh, geez, that's nice. That's nice beef, but it's not beef. It's your mind because... My cousins, when they uh, when they were alive, they were uh, they had a trout farm over in Estale, and uh, later on, one of them moved up into the north, up into the into the Gulf, barrow fishing, a professional barrow fisherman. And um, he'd come down every Christmas. He'd come down and oh, I'm bringing your barrow down. I bring you down, smoke barrow. Bring you down, smoke barrow. So yeah, so we had friends up, mum and dads, and we were all into this smoke barrow. We thought, Jesus, this beautiful smoke barrow. Oh, the best we've ever. It was it was European carp. <laughs> Because <laughs> <laughs> your mind that plays a trick. <laughs> yep. Right? He waited for everybody to eat it, and then he said, I oh, know. He said, This is the actual barrow. That was European cake. <laughs> and it was the way it was cooked. You wouldn't have known the difference. Yep. It's mind over matter. Yep. Totally. So, yeah. <laughs> I think, too, that um, the other thing that people balk at is the thought that um, the deer are somehow intestinally not clean and they need to be wormed and all the rest of it. I've only been hunting for, in comparison to, to Rob and other guys, a short amount of time. But the deer that I've eaten, they're probably the cleanest deer and the cleanest meat. I don't see worms in them or... No. We did some... Um, we took some uh, gut samples for the Arthur Ryle University. Yep. They were doing a survey on them and, um, and we were giving sample bags and... Oh, that was a fair few years ago we did that. Yep. And um, they couldn't find anything, no. Yep. No, it's a hog deer. I think the hog deer gets some disease from the coastal side of things. It gets some sort of disease in it. But, yep. Um, I don't know about any other deer that does get a disease. They tried to link that... Bovine. Bovine. Bovines to the... Yeah. You know, that's it because it was a hoofed animal with the sheep. 
and I tried to link it, but there was no ever there's no evidence of it, of it ever being that way. But yeah. even so, you you go through the bush, you look like deer, there'd be lots of grass there, and they'll be chew they'll be chewing on dead bottle and stuff like that. You think what are they eating that for? Like you know, like there's lots of grass and they eating branches and stuff. You just yeah, you can't picture why they'd eat, but obviously their diet says so. So yep, yeah. part of their intestinal yeah. broom, I guess. Yeah. Mm. You know, they, yeah. they still go in the farmer's paddock and they'll eat grass that's half an inch long because it's sweeter. It's been supered. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. But they still go back and get the roughage. Yeah. Yep. Fantastic um, pursuit, I think, being able to get out. This is hound hunting, I guess. To wrap up tonight, it's been an hour we've been chatting that uh, hound hunting's more than just throwing some dogs in a crate and putting whatever you kill to, for on display for everyone to see there's so much more behind hound hunting and so much more in history and generation that there's a lot of proud hound hunters like you guys are the strippers are um and generations to come past you guys as well that you hope to pass it on to but i think that you know if they're going to be eating your hams chris and um the palmers that are coming out of your kitchen yeah. mick i think they that <laughs> he's got an alternative even might there, yeah, you know. Yeah, and I think that um you know, have have a go. Go to I think you mentioned it before, was it the Victorian um VH VHA, Victorian Hound Hunters there. Um, it's a group um yep. set up specifically for hound hunting. Um ADA is very um active on the hound hunting front. We're just now starting to work with Southern Ark. Yep. I've done a fair bit of work with Southern Ark to, to get to where we are now. They're a, they're a fox baiting program in the eastern region of Victoria. Yep. And um, they're starting to listen to us, um, the, um, to what our needs are and what their needs are, and we're working it together to come for a, for a good outcome. Yeah, for everyone. Rather than just straight out baiting. Um, Which will close off a lot of your hunts. Yeah, yeah they close off a lot of areas. A lot of, a lot of areas accessible yeah. to hunt. So, yeah. Yeah. so the, um, there's a hound day every year that's... No, there used, used to be a hound be? day, but because Tull the hounds... Tullarook still goes on every year. Yep. Uh, VHH have a hound day. But the hounds <coughs> used to be... I'm, a, I'm an accredited hound assessor, assessor yep. through, the, through the department. And um, there used to be uh, a hound renewal would have to get renewed for every 12 months. So we used to have a day for every 12 months for people to bring their hounds in to get reassessed. But now, once a hound's registered, it's registered for life. Yep. Well, I guess it's a, um, a segue for people that aren't uh, or trying to get into hound hunting. They can look up um, Australian Deer Association, the Victorian Hound Hunters Association, um, any of the links that are attached. Sporting shooters. Sporting shooters. You know, uh, there's always going to be someone there that can point you in the right direction. And... Um, I, I guess to surmise everything, to try and find a reputable crew that's been around for a little bit to learn the ropes um, and learn about, uh, you know, looking after your hounds that you guys have spoken about tonight. It's more than just going bush. It's it's the off-season as well that's just as important as the, the season, the hunting season. Um, and how to just really enjoy it with, with mates and that hunting's more than just the deer on the wall. It's... Um, it's everything else that goes with it, you know. So the journey, the journey, journey. yeah. So thanks for tonight, guys. Um, if there's anything that anyone wants to write into or message, um, 
throw a line in and either myself or Craig um, will um, answer those and we'll throw up some links to the um, hound hunting fraternities that we spoke about and hopefully get a few new um, hound hunters out there that want to have a bit of a crack. All right, guys, thanks again and um, we'll catch you all soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Hunting Camp Down Under podcast. If you would like any information from today's show, please don't hesitate to contact us on huntingcampdownunder at gmail.com or simply hit us up on any of our social media outlets on Instagram or Facebook. Be sure to join us next week for another awesome episode and we look forward to sharing another story from Hunting Camp Down Under. Bye for now.